Don't Shoot the Red Barrels. It's This Game Where with me, Chris, and... Me, Ashley. Hello, everybody. Thanks, Chris, for that. We're back there, are we? Yeah, we're too right, we are. Oh, so are we going to have this for all of your episodes now? Now we're back now to on? doing proper episodes, yeah. Is, it, is the... it like a way to ingratiate ourselves back with the listeners who are used yeah. to the old style? Yeah, exactly. Okay. I'll forgive it then. Because we are going back to the old style now, aren't we? We're, we're out of our transition numbering and... Yeah, everything's back to normal with the caveat that we are allowed these days to drop in new games at any point from now. We're just sort of doing what we want, aren't we? It's like it's our podcast. We can do all the blazes we want, isn't it? I know. Yeah. Weird. It's nice. Yeah. So yeah, for anyone that is new or that hasn't been listening since the start or hasn't listened to previous episodes, prior to lockdown, we were primarily looking at retro stuff, weren't we? Yeah. And playing retro stuff. We're going back to that. But, as I say, we will be able to, if we so choose, talk about a game that has caught our interest over maybe the two weeks between each recording session. So, yeah, you you can expect a few maybe surprises as we go forward from here. As listeners, of course, you'll know because you'll see the episode title, but, you know. Yeah, I mean, in terms of before they look at the episode title, they'll be like, oh, retro games. And then they'll look and it'll be like Cyberpunk 2077 or something like that. Brand new. Quitting edge. Yeah, we talk about retro games, we talk about mainly, well, in fact, exclusively games that featured somewhere in our childhood. So Mm -hmm. you'll get used to it. We don't need to explain it too much, do we, really? And each episode, it'll be a different person's turn. So this week, it's my episode. I'm going to be talking about a game from my childhood uh, with Ashley. uh, And then halfway through, we'll stop for a bit and we'll go off and play it. And then the second half, we'll then talk about it, whether it held up. and That is not his childhood with me. That means he, he means he's going to talk about a game with me that was a part of his childhood. I didn't know him when he was a kid, thankfully. Imagine that if we grown up together. Yeah, it would have been horrible. Little house I don't in the think we'd be friends. I don't think we'd be friends now. I, <laughs> I think, think we would I have think been you either. were a, a, like a little Lord Fauntleroy type <laughs> character. You know, and you were like Oliver here. Twist, grifting. <laughs> I was what? Oliver Twist? Yeah, grifting your way through life. Honestly, I was far too plump to to <laughs> have any any grifting prowess. Not grifting prowess. I didn't have that either. I wasn't very good at that, but being fat is not an Oliver Oliver Twist characteristic, is it? I can you imagine someone like me as a kid? Imagine an eleven year old fat man like me. Uh going up to somebody and asking for more food and how that could have been the Rufio from Hook. That's what I imagine. What, splattered it in his face? Like a lost boy. What are you on about? That's the only plump orphan I can think of, is Rufio from Hook. He's not Rufio. Rufio's not plump. Rufio's oh. lithe. Which one's the one that does the cannonball, then? I don't know. All I want to call him is Roly-Poly. <laughs> where he, where he, tucks yeah. his, he tucks his feet up by his face and yeah. just rolls down the gangplank or whatever. Yeah, I well, can't that was, remember his um, name. Chunk from the Goonies, whose identifying characteristic was to... That he was fat. Yeah, being fat. Yeah. It's definitely what characterises us strongest, us fat people. It's different times fat. now, isn't it? I watched um, How to Build a Girl the other night. There's a scene where um, it does like this big, just big emotional speech and she's wearing a bin bag that's been fashioned into a, into a bikini. The whole speech, she does this uh, in this bin bag bikini and at no point is there any comment about the fact that she's overweight or whatever it's uh i think it's good i think it's progress well well done hollywood yeah i'm not sure it's moved on as far i don't think the world has moved on as far as no. you maybe think it has but uh there we are um chris what game are we playing today so today's episode it's this game where you play as a skeleton okay medieval 
I know it's not medieval. I know what it is already. You've guessed based <laughs> on that. So it's inspired by film noir yeah. and it's a point and click game with no pointing or clicking. Yeah. By by double fine. Yeah. So not medieval then. No. Well, I know what it is. It's Grim Fandango. It is. Yeah, with Manny Delgado. Uh, Manny Calavera. Manny Calavera. Yeah, he's Manny he Delgado. Really? I don't know. That name ah. sounds familiar. No, I know. I know what's happened. It's Manny Delgado. Isn't that the kid from Modern Family? Is it? Oh, that's that's interesting because I'm I'm sure that Delgado means thin. What does Delgado mean in Spanish? Tell me what Delgado means. In Spanish. Yeah, it's Manny My, Delgado. Is the kid from Modern Family? Is it? You know, oh, he's also quite plump. How about that? Yeah, he is. But I'm just check. Put in Delgado in English. Or Delgado English translation. Slim. Yeah, you're right. Right, so what has happened is I've been learning Spanish over the last ah, few years. Okay. And because he's a skeleton, I and I've I've mentioned this to Hannah about Grim Fandango, because one of the ways that I remember the word Delgado, which means slim, is Manny Delgado. And I've replaced Manny Delgado, uh, Manny Calavera in Grim Fandango. This is ridiculous. In Grim Fandango ridiculous, with yes. Manny Delgado because he's a, he's a thin man, he's a skeleton. So Manny yeah. Delgado, slim. Whereas Manny Delgado is actually not that slim. According to my research earlier, Calavera is Spanish for skeleton. Right. Well, that makes sense, and I will try and keep that in my head too. <laughs> yeah. There you go. I've taught you a bit more Spanish for your lessons. Yeah. Thank you very much. Is Manny is that Spanish for man? No. It's sure. It's like a shortening of Manuel. Oh, I thought it might translate to skeleton man, which would be Ombre. Ombre is Oh, of course, man. yeah, that makes more sense. Yeah. So Grim Fandango is a really good choice. Where does it sit in your history? Where Where's it coming from? Where did you play it and such? I think probably 99 or 2000, uh, when I was deep into my adventure games phase, as right. part of which I played Monkey Island and then started looking at other games that LucasArts had published, and this was one of them. Uh, yeah. This came out in October 1998, and I don't think I played it that long after it came out, so I think it must have been either one of those years, 1999 2000. Yeah. Okay. Um, so you've actually been playing, by that point, games for quite a while. Yes, I had, yeah. It wasn't the first adventure game that you played? No, the first adventure game I played was Discworld, which we featured back in episode yes, 3. I, I thought that was the case, yeah. Yeah, and then from Discworld I went into Monkey Island and from Monkey Island into this, and I did a few others, like Toonstruck. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, which is I can't remember if you made Toonstruck, but yeah, LucasArts is a good, it's a good way to sort of chart. Was it Virgin? Of course, isn't it? Might have been, yeah, actually. Yeah, you're right, because it comes up mm. with that animation at the front mm. of the game. Yeah. Following your way through LucasArts is a good way to navigate the, the waters of adventure games, isn't it, really? Because they, they put out some really good ones, and you've mentioned a few of them. So tell us a little bit about the game then. What is it for anyone that hasn't played it? Well, if you haven't played game? it, then you need to blooming well get on it because it's brilliant. Not, it's... Be- not Hang on. Not before we finish the episode. Don't oh, sorry, tell people sp- to go away. <laughs> spoilers. I hope it is still <laughs> good. I'm sure it will be. but um... Well, I've got a little spoiler for, spoiler for you. I've actually played it very recently. How recently? Well, relatively recently. Within oh. the last year. Oh, okay. It's the first time I've actually finished it as well. So, quite fresh. So that's interesting, because I've never finished this game. <laughs> right, okay. Even though it's one of my favourite games, I've never finished it, because it gets quite convoluted towards the end, mm. in my opinion. Adventure games-wise, it's up there, for, for definite, yeah. Mm. I'll talk about the plot first, anyway. So, the plot, for those of you who don't know about it, it's set in the Land of the Dead. 
it draws heavily on Mexican folklore and Aztec beliefs. The the skeletons you play a skeleton in the game, and all the skeletons are all drawn in this or creating this um, cal- calaca apparently yeah. style. Mm-hmm. But the if you if you don't know what that is, Day of the Dead style. De Mayo, yeah, yeah, of course. That's the I was trying to think. A bit like Coco, the the Pixar film that came out. Yeah, recently. that's exactly it. The mm. game is that sort of style of of art, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. But then what I like about it is you've got that, and then it's simultaneously the, the world they live in. It's all these Art Deco skyscrapers, and it's really like a nineteen really twenties nice. New York yeah, precisely. style. Yeah. Which draws in with the genre of the yeah, game absolutely. within it, the it does, adventure, yeah. uh, which I'll come yeah, to in a few minutes. Yeah, but also you said about it being an uh, like a noir pastiche. Of course, yeah. So yeah, exactly. It draws into that film noir thing. Set in the Land of the Dead, you play as a character called Manny Calavera, who is a travel agent. The plot within the game is that when you die, you get sent to the Land of the Dead. When you get to the Land of the Dead, depending on how well you lived your life, depends on how quickly you are able to travel to your final resting place within the Land of the Dead. So if you lived a fantastic life, you get a train ticket that gets you there in four minutes. If you were so-so, you might get a bus ticket or something like that. Whereas if you lived a not very good life at all. You get given a walking stick and it takes you and seven years to walk. Is there. it a walking stick and a bindle? That's it. Yes, it is a bindle. Yeah, you're right. And again, I really like that. Like That as a plot in itself is so clever, in my opinion. Yeah, as a, as a concept yeah. of how... It's like a reimagining of what Limbo is. Yeah, precisely. So at the start of the game, this character called Mercedes Colomar appears and Manny Calavera tries to sell this package and she only gets given a walking stick and he realises that despite the fact that she has led a really good life that she is still given a walking stick and he thinks well hang on this is this is a bit suspect here through the fact that she has been shortchanged he starts pursuing that well why is that why is it that she's been shortchanged and it gradually uncovers um, this whole like web of corruption deceit and lies and gangsters and like bit by bit and the the plot is that Manny getting to the bottom of what's going on yeah and it takes a very if you're familiar with film noir it does take a very noir mm-hmm. approach to its plotting and its resolutions he is a bit like a detective but he is also at times the fish out of water isn't he as well yeah he's both for definite yeah mm. he ends up outside of his comfort zone very quickly in the game without spoiling it for anybody i don't know it's okay to spoil a game that's been that's been out since 1998 i think yeah i think i'll we can still try not to can't we yeah as much in so much as we can yeah fair enough so you've got this living breathing world where all this goes on the the people being sold the things and you've got the art deco buildings and one of the things I really like about it is that plot, but also the mundanity of it all, the fact that this goes on, and then outside the travel agency that he works in, you've got this, it's like a street carnival going on where you buy a balloon that's part of one of the first few puzzles mm. in the game, and it's just that this is just normality, this is what goes on, and I really like that, the fact that when you're thrust into the game at the start of it, it's just like, yeah, this is what happens, that's that. It, Afterlife it, it, life. Yeah, that's a good way to phrase it. It just feels so well realised. I think so. And also a little bit deadening in that if you compare it to other versions of an afterlife, it is, as you say, it's quite a mundane mm. end to to reach. If you look at maybe, say, The Good Place, the comedy mm. that's been on Netflix or whatever service for the last few years, and their conception of what the afterlife would be like, and then you compare it to this, Manny's version is very grounded. Yeah, it is. It's just a continuation of life. Mm. And I can imagine it being that way, to be honest, more so than 
paradise or demon upon demon upon demon, depending where you end up. Yeah, depending on what you believe. The characters to me are the standout for this this game. Manny himself has got quite a dry wit, mm. a dry way of talking, even quite a cynic. Yeah, I was reading a couple of retrospectives earlier while making my notes for this, and one of them, I think it was Eurogamer, had said about how there's a point at which one of your inventory items, the inventory is really well done in that it zooms to a close of Manny's suit and he pulls out the items one by one and it's riffling through them. One of the items you pick up is a deck of cards. Yeah, it's literally just occurred to me that that actually is like a, a part of his salesman character, isn't it? Like a, a shifty... Yeah, shady dealer yeah. in the street pulling things out of his inside pocket or opening no, his coat true. to find to show you loads of watches. It's only, I've never really made that link before, but actually that is, I think, probably what it is. I think it's part of the game itself. It's very streamlined as a game experience. There's no HUD. There's no... Um, usually these games prior to this coming out, the Monkey Islands and whatever, you had the imageries in the bottom of the screen, the, you had the verbs down this side, everything mm. was signposts almost. It's done 3D as well. It's these 2D backgrounds, backdrops with the 3D characters in front of them. And as you walk around, um, using controls, the quote-unquote tank controls... Yeah, I was going to say, it is one of the first which, 3D pl- adventure games and they really weren't yeah. sure how to approach it. And one of the things that we got from that was the tank controls, which are... Which apparently is because at the time, that was when Resident Evil used the similar controls, yeah. so it's taking a cue from that. I see. This has been remastered in the last five years. It came out in 2015, and in that, there was an option to make it into a point-and-click. That's interesting. I played it on the PlayStation 4. I played the remaster most right. recently on the PlayStation 4, and I used non-tank controls, but it wasn't a point-and-click. It was. Oh, okay. It was relational movement, so... If you pointed your stick in one direction, then that's the direction it would go relative right. to position of the camera. Maybe on the PC, it's got a mm. it's got a point and click option, but you can also play for tank controls, and that actually gives you an achievement for doing the whole game Does with it? tank controls. Yeah, which I think is a little bit cheeky because who wants to play through the game with tank controls when you've got an option not to? It's really. I Not personally great. found it fine to use with that. It's you might you might be surprised. Ooh. It's fine. It's fine, but it's not good. Right. It'd be interesting to try during the the interval. You may be able to correct me if I'm wrong, but Monkey Island Four might have used tank controls as well. I never played Monkey Island Four because it was supposed to be absolutely terrible. It's it's not as bad as people make out. I don't see think. that was this was the penultimate LucasArts adventure game that came out. The last one was Escape from Monkey Island, which was the fourth Monkey Island, and then after because yeah. this, despite being a critical success, did not sell very well at all. No, and at, at that point, LucasArts said, "No, that's it. We're not going to do any more adventure games." Their loss. Yes, definitely, I agree. In terms of when you're going around the environments, as you get near to something that's of interest, Manny's head turns, and that's your cue to. Yeah, go and look at something a bit more closely. Yeah, instead of it shining or anything, it which again makes it feel more realistic. Um, anyway, so we we got onto that. I have to say about the the character on this retrospective that I read about on the internet earlier. It said about how one of his items that you pick up is a, a pack of tattered playing cards. Yeah, and when you investigate them, he says something about how it's frayed around the end edges and a bit tatty like me, but with more suits. The person said about how that, that one line, which could have been, this is a tatty suit of playing cards, that mm. one line had character, it had wit, it had all these things just in that one pithy sentence. And yeah. it really made me reflect on, you know, what what there is in this game. And I'm quite looking forward to, to going 
back into it, you know, mm. after not having played it since I was about 12 or 13 and actually looking at it afresh, I think it will be very well written. If this had been made earlier in the cycle of adventure games, this would be the kind of game that other games would aspire to. That's mm-hmm. genu- genuinely how I feel about it. And it's a shame in a way that it was made so late on because we were we were approaching the death of adventure games. As you as you said, it didn't sell particularly well. The well, I was going I say death, but you know, relative death compared to its previous success. Monkey Island Four came out afterwards, and mm-hmm. I think similarly tanked. Yeah, I think we talked about in Discord about how maybe it would be that mainstream adventure games tanked as a genre, but that smaller companies continued to make them how do you mean the radar a bit more. We said it before about how it has, as a genre, has quite a big following in Germany. And that companies in Europe continued to make them. There was one that came out uh, for the Switch last year or the year before called Truberbrook. Yes, yeah, Truberbrook. I don't mean now. I think actually adventure games have had a bit of a renaissance. And yes, I, agree I don't know that. whether we talked about that for our previous adventure game episodes, but there's certainly been a resurgence of the genre and people do like them and they do have a lot to give and people have realised that. But there was definitely a period of time sort of through the 2000s, there was a definite lull and it came probably just after and maybe actually just a little bit before Monkey Island 4 at least is how I perceive it. Yeah. This was at the end of that. So if you were to compare the adventure game scene to like a console generation... We are right now, 2020, right at the end of a console generation. We've got some great games coming out for for the consoles, but everyone's looking forwards. Mm -hmm. And I think that's similar to what was going on with adventure games when coming out. People were looking for something else. It was the end for adventure games at the time. And it is still seen as quite the swan song for the genre, isn't it? It is very, very highly regarded, which is another reason why I'm looking forward to playing it again. Yeah, I'm so glad that Double Fine... I think it's Double Fine have done them. They've remastered so many of their mm. best adventure games. So you can get a, a really nice copy of Full Throttle remastered now, which you could only really get, as far as I knew, off the internet if you catch my drift. Mm-hmm. Um, they've remastered Day of the Tentacle. So you can play Day of the Tentacle on most consoles. And that's a phenomenal adventure game. Uh, obviously this one is there as well. I played it on the PlayStation 4. If they hadn't done that, there'd be so many people that were missing out on some really solid games and some really solid stories with great mm. characters. So Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Have you got anything that you'd like to say or should we jump into the game? No, I was just looking over my notes. I think we should maybe jump into the game really. I'm, my, my whistle's wetted for playing it again. Excellent. Okay, let's go then. Grim Fandango. That was Grim Fandango. That we played. That we played. Yeah. Yeah. The rest of them got what? Like a. They got a little interlude. We're back to using interludes. We are. Everything's back to normal. They're going to have a little musical interlude, or they will have had a little musical interlude. That was Grim Fandango. It wasn't enough of Grim Fandango, as is always the case Mm. when we do a game like this. Because adventure games are obviously so sprawling and they're so 
many intricacies that we we weren't able to get too far in. We've had a few technical difficulties. I actually had to stream the game on YouTube for Chris to watch. So you might have been one of the people that dropped in to say hello or not. I don't know. How did you find it? I really enjoyed watching you play that and I could quite happily, I think, now sit and watch a play through the whole game or even play it myself. Uh, I have got it on iOS. I love it. I really love this game. Just watching it then, I was yeah laughing at the jokes, enjoying the visuals of it. I, I think it's brilliant. I really do think it's a brilliant game. It is a brilliant game. I completely agree. I don't have anything bad to say about it, I don't think. It's part of that group of games that I really feel very strongly positive about, adventure game-wise. That It's these and the Sierra games, the LucasArts and the Sierras, are, to me, just some of the, the best adventure yeah, games. definitely. The best games. Yeah. The best games. That I know that they sometimes get knocked for being a little bit obtuse in their puzzling, but that sort of level of challenging thinking really engaged me. This game is frequently discussed when people talk about the best game of all time or the top 100 games of all time. This yeah. game, and having seen you play this now, I completely agree with that. The thing that struck me the most about it is the artistry of it, the style of it, the look, the art deco, which we talked about previously. But it was more for me watching you play it now was the film aspect of it. Yeah. So it's all done with these 3D characters on 2D backdrops, but you can't control the camera. The camera's always fixed and it depends on where you move within the environment. So the camera angle changes and some of the shots are just stunning aren't they like yeah they're really well orchestrated yeah exactly and they've gone out of their way to pay attention to the visual styles and actually the oral styles the aural mm. aural oral audio styles of that genre and period of film yeah the 1930s in particular or the 1930s as a setting uh, as a film noir setting is prevalent throughout the game but particularly particularly strong in that first sequence, that first area. The soundtrack gets a lot of accolades as well. You can actually buy the soundtrack on vinyl um, separately if you wanted to sit and listen to it or Yeah, if you're it. a hipster. If you're a hipster, yeah. You, you, <laughs> oh, yeah. you can probably get on Amazon Music as well, I'd imagine, because you can get a lot of game soundtracks on Amazon Music. I'll, I'll tell you, actually, you can, you can just get it as some MP3s like most people yeah, would. Yeah, exactly. I, I genuinely know that you can. It's pound ninety nine at the moment. Oh. There you go. So dead cheap. That's the other thing about this game. It comes down to some absolutely ludicrous prices on all platforms. Really cheap. I when we sum up at the end, um, I'll tell you about that because at the very moment there is a humble bundle that is a double fine specific humble bundle that is insanely cheap. Yeah. But we'll talk about it at the very end when we wrap up. Okay. I got this game for free, actually, through PlayStation Plus. Okay. I say free, you pay PlayStation Plus. Yeah. Uh, we were talking before this episode about all the freebies that I've uh, racked up over the last few years, game-wise. It's quite numerous, aren't and they? And this is one of them. Yeah, oh, hundreds of them. And I've just and I've just signed up to Game Pass for PC, mm-hmm. which was a pound for a month. If you are listening to this currently, get yourself signed up to Game Pass. It's, it's an absolute bargain. Yeah. Grim Fandango's not on there, though, so don't <laughs> get your hopes up for that one. <laughs> I actually checked before we started, and it's not on there, unfortunately. So, you said you've played it in the last year or so. Yeah. Did you play it back in the day? No, I didn't. Okay. This is one of the ones that passed me by. Not because I wanted it to, but because I didn't run in the right circles to come across it, Chris. Was this so, one of the ones where you didn't have a PC powerful enough to, to play it, possibly? Possibly. I think Hannah, she had a Escape from Monkey Island, Monkey Island 4, and that was probably just pushing it for her PC. I had limited access to games for 
the most part. And it's just one of those that wasn't pressing enough, stupidly wasn't pressing enough for me to acquire by whatever means. I said in the first half that it was a game that even though I, I loved it and still love it, I just never got around to finishing it. And it was around the same part of the game each time that I just lost interest while you were talking just now, I've remembered that the latest time I tried to play it was probably about eight or nine years ago at the place we used to work at together. And I remember I got further than I'd got previously. And, and then I had a bug that prevented me from getting any further. And I my game save was broken. There was, a, there was an item I needed to Where? get. Where was it? It was in... Is there a submarine that's also a tattoo parlor in, in year two? Yes, yeah, there is, yeah. And in there, there was an item I needed to get, but the tattoo artist was standing in the way of this item and he just wouldn't Mm. move. He was just stood there. And obviously that was then a game-breaking bug, but previously I have got further than that. But just around that point of the game, I... You got a fair way to go then in the game. You you actually, this is one of your favourite games, but it's one that you also haven't finished. I think that's one of the reasons why it's my favourite, because it's just, it's that unattainable, it's... uh, a mountain still yet to climb, isn't it? I think it's summer. And what better <laughs> way to celebrate well, summer than to sit inside and play through a... A film noir. What is it, 20-hour game? Yeah, film noir. Perfect. Game about dead people. Yeah. <laughs> Happy summer, everyone. Yeah, exactly. So that's what you should do, I reckon. You said that you've got it on iOS. Yeah. Um, on, a, on the tablet. Yeah, to be fair, I probably should. I think it's Double Fine that are handling all of these remasters. And actually, the number of remasters they brought back, they started off with Monkey Island. Everyone was clamouring for a remake of Monkey Island or a remaster of Monkey Island. And they did a reasonably good job of that. You, you could switch between the new art style and the old. That was the thing I liked the most about it. Because I loved those games. We've spoken about that many times. And... It yeah. was every single scene I went into. I, I was painting the new style and I flicked back into the old style, then went back into the new style. And they, they really did a fantastic job of making it look stunning. I agree. And actually, the only they've only got better as they've gone along, the remasters of the LucasArts games. So I don't know if I listed them in the first half, but Day of the Tentacle, brilliant remaster, brilliant game when it, when it came out, even in the original version. But then the remaster does a real service to it. Full Throttle, another one that they, they've done a similarly brilliant job of, and, and Grim Fandango, a phenomenal job. And one of the brilliant uh, pieces of extra content that was added to this, they haven't tampered with the game at all. The no. game is still what it was and what and what it is. They've just sharpened it up, haven't they? They have. They've sharpened it up and uh, made the textures run nicely on modern hardware or whatever. Um, com- tallies, I mean. Don't know why I said hardware. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, they made it nice to look at. But they've also added in this game and others, uh, like a maker's commentary, creator's commentary. And some of the little tidbits mm. that you get from that are really interesting. It's a thing that I actually miss from DVDs, you know, like yeah. a director's commentary. If you're really into something, there's nothing better than sitting back and listening to someone that's as interested, or if not more, <laughs> than you are. And we dipped into the director's commentary it. for this a few times, didn't we? And they were genuinely yeah, very interesting. Yeah, I wanted you to, to showcase what was actually there that you maybe were missing out on. Mm. So I played it through beginning to end for the first time right. a couple of years ago. I started playing through it again a second time. I didn't get through it all without getting distracted by something else. But that was with the express purpose to listen to the commentary. And it was worth it. It was really interesting. So 
I would recommend doing that if you, if you play it through this summer. I don't know if it's on the iOS version, to be honest. Seriously? I, I don't know. That's one of the best reasons to have the, the mm-hmm. remaster. When I did download it on uh, my iPad, it was around Christmas time, which again, maybe not the best time of year to be playing Grim Fandango. Ah, no. Christmas time is actually one of the best times. You know, like with all the Dickens Christmas stories, mm. all really quite yeah, grim and, and glum. People love a good old sad story at Christmas. Christmas if all of them are, if you think about any of the Christmas stories, they are ghostly or down and outs or suffering and struggling. The Selfish Giant, Oscar Wilde. Don't know it. No. No. All of Dickens's story, yeah. uh, Christmas stories, all sad. Snowman. A little bit of hope. Yeah, the snowman melts away. Oh, snowman's bleak at the end. <laughs> so yeah, this this on that regard would be the perfect time. This is like an autumn winter game, I would say. So not a summer game then. Not really, but nah. I think you should play it because that's when you've got you know the most abundant time. Yeah. So linked to the director's commentary, then there is a series of videos about the making of Grim Fandango for when they were doing the remaster version on YouTube. Right. Okay. I watched a little bit of one earlier on today, and it's kind of similar to what you're talking about in that it's behind the scenes tidbits and nuggets and so on. And again, I found that quite interesting, so I'd recommend giving those a watch too. Equally, the book Rogue Leaders, the story of LucasArts. Now, this is a book I've wanted for a long time. Have you heard of this book? No, I haven't. So it's, as it says in the tin, really, the story of LucasArts, the story of them as a games company. I don't quite know what point the book ends because they were taken over by Disney in 2013 as part of the whole Disney taking over every company on the planet. And then Tim Schafer bought the rights to Grim Fandango and a few other titles, I think, back off Disney in 2014, which is what then led to the 2015 remaster version that we've been talking about tonight. You and I both know Tim Schafer and Double Fine. Um, If you haven't investigated Double Fine games, they've done a whole slew of fantastic games, you know, Psychonauts, Broken Age, Brutal Legend... They are one of the few developers where I actively seek out new games that they make because they are not all the time brilliant, but they are usually brilliant and always very creative. Yeah, and they've got their very a very particular style that's all yeah. their own as well. And I think that probably comes from Tim Schafer in particular. Yes. I might be reading into things a little bit too no. much there, but he seems to be one of the constants. Yeah. For each of those games. And he's he definitely leads from the front as well. Yeah, definitely. In the creative side of things. They're kind of making Psychonauts too, and he posts lots of videos about how they're doing with that, and he seems very honest and transparent. And Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually one of the things that they, they do do so well, creating things and simultaneously communicating with mm-hmm. the people that are interested in them. They've always done that really well, and they've just continued to do it well. I'm hoping that that will continue, even though they've been bought by Microsoft. I don't see why they would stop it. No, that's part of their brand, isn't it? I think so, yeah. Through them showing you the process, you get to see things that you wouldn't necessarily otherwise see. And also, I think that it would do a lot of people good to understand just how intensive and draining the actual process of creating something like a game is. It's it's a huge, demanding toil hmm. for everybody involved. I think they released a video of as like a test thing for Psychonauts 2, just to show, yeah, we are actually working on it. We know we've been saying this for a that few years now. That was a while now. ago, I yeah, think. But yeah, but the fact that they're releasing this content and showing people, yeah, this is what we do, I think that's brilliant. Yeah, there's another developer, Size 5 Games, who made the Ben There Done That Games. Oh, right, okay, yeah. So he's taking a similar approach at the moment. So we are actually seeing on Twitter, if you follow Dan, he's put up prototypes for his next game, which actually looks pretty cool. He's prototyped this Tyrannosaurus Rex, 
and some tiny little humans. You can chuck the ragdoll human bodies around the level and stuff. And it's like a few months, I think, into the development of this game and, and he's opened up already and he's engaging with the people that play his games and are interested in his games very, very early in the in the process. That does sound pretty good. Yeah, it is pretty cool. I've never met Dan, but everything that I've seen of him on social media and when I spoke to him about streaming his latest game, Layer of the Clockwork God, he uh, just seems like a really nice guy. He was very engaging on an episode of Spawn Points that I listened to him talk about his creative process and he just seemed like a really nice bloke. I didn't know he'd been on that, actually. Mm. I've seen a few interviews with him. Not, not interviews, panels, when he's been to various different conventions and stuff yeah he just seems like a nice guy but this isn't a time to we're not supposed to be just gushing about <laughs> blowing smoke at about, bum. so yeah. the the rogue leaders book this is a book i've wanted for quite a while because it is the story of lucas arts when i became aware of this book it had gone out of print when mm. i looked before it was about 70 pounds i've just googled it on amazon it's currently a lot more than 70 pounds how much do you think it currently goes for oh i dread to think how much it goes for i'm searching now so okay well i'll, I'll nip, nip you in the book then <laughs> 142 pounds is it really which Jesus. for a book about the history of a computer games company seems to me to be quite a lot of money what's it called rogue leaders rogue leaders the story of lucas arts so 142 pounds probably not gonna be asking for that for christmas Oh, no, that's the best time to ask for it. Get Santa to waste his money on that for me. I mean, spend his money on that for me. Yeah. Just while we're looking for that as well, I have just remembered we've been talking about the transparency of them as a developer. I've just remembered about, I would say about 12 years ago, probably, I remember someone who used to work for Double Fine releasing a design document. I've just found it just by Googling Grim Fandango design document. It's a 72-page PDF that is basically a director's commentary of the game but how like the structure of it and they've got there's a cast list and they've got bit by bit beat by beat how the game is has gone through it talks through each puzzle each scene and it's got a little description Mm. of it it's got a puzzle structure so i've just got in front of me there's a flow chart where it shows you the the progression through the first year of the game and i found that you know it's got these these sketches of what some of the shots should look like and this is from April 30th, 1996, this is marked, so two and a half years before the game actually came out. Mm. They were doing this planet, and I remember going through this whole document and reading about it, and I found it so interesting. Yeah. And again, the fact that they're releasing these documents for people just to have a look through. Yeah, you should maybe... I don't know how much you've actually dabbled in the stuff that's available on YouTube, but since they started doing sort of um, crowdfunding things, certainly with Broken Age. One of the things that came alongside Broken Age's development cycle was this transparency and openness of oh, okay. what what is involved in developing a game, and in particular that game. So you got some really early like concept art and them working through the, the styles of different areas in the game and mm-hmm. what what the game was actually going to be and how it how it started off with with prototyping and things and you got some, these shots where there's just walls and walls of like storyboarding if i remember rightly and and concept art just covering the walls of the office it's a really interesting watch and they did like almost weekly i think blogs of or vlogs sorry of the development process that was part of the usp for broken age there wasn't it was it was it was a crowdfunded game it was one of the first yeah, yeah. And that was part of the deal, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, we're going to... Was it to... one of the first? Have I just made that up? I, I think it is. I think we've said that before, and I think we, we 
looked into that. But yeah, I seem to remember being one of the first ones. I think you've probably got the gist that uh, both Ash and I like this game. So if you are interested in playing Grim Fandango, if you haven't already, like I said, it's available on a myriad of consoles. I'm just going to talk through the Humble Bundle that's currently available, Ashley. Yeah, so I've already looked at this. Have it you? It is a ridiculous number of games. The, it really is. The thing that's holding me back from buying it is that I've got about a third of them, if not more. All right, yeah, completely on the same. Yeah, at least a third of them on the PC, I mean. And then I've so, got other ones on consoles and various things. As of the release of this podcast, there is a double fine deal on HumbleBundle.com for a further four days only, where you can get, if you pay 79p, you get Psychonauts, and you get access Phenomenal. to... Pardon? Phenomenal. Sorry, I thought you were uh, clearing your throat or something. And <laughs> you get access to their Amnesia Fortnite, three years of those. Now, you know what these are, don't you, Ashley? Yes, I do, yeah. They were a really good idea. Which, again, in terms of the creativity of the company, this is where they say to different teams, I think it is, the developers, they, they break off in small teams and say, right, we want you just to see what you can create over over this fortnight. And some of the games that come out from this, so Stacking came out from yeah, Amnesia Fortnite. Yeah, which is brilliant. It is, it really is. Costume Quest. Yeah, Came out brilliant. from Amnesia Fortnite. Uh, Iron Brigade was one of those games. There's, there's loads. Anyway, you get access to all of them. This is for 79p. If you pay more than the average of £6.62, you get access to those as well as Day of the Tentacle, Broken Age, Brutal Legend, a DLC pack, I think it is, for Psychonauts, Costume Quest, I've just mentioned. A DLC pack for Psychonauts? I don't think it's DLC. I'm going to... No, it's the VR thing, isn't it? Yeah, so Rhombus of Ruin is VR. Yeah. I don't know if you can play it. I was a bit disappointed... For myself, not right. not that they've done it or anything, but disappointed for myself that I didn't have the tools to play that and still don't actually. If I ever did, then that would be one of the first things that I grabbed for it. And then £7 or more, you get on top of that, you get rad a few other games. Gang full, Beast is on there, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm going through the ones that I know. Gang Beasts, Full Throttle Remastered, Grim, and then yeah. Grim Fandango Remastered. Gang Beasts is one that I did not know was double fine. Right. Because Gang Beasts is one of the ones that I don't have. And no, it's I've never one of the this ones one. to it looks really fun. I and I, it's like a, a local um multiplayer game where you are these gangly weird play doh guys or girls. You're basically trying to wrestle people into to their death. But you the way that you wrestle is very ham fisted and yeah. haphazard. That was a massive sales pitch for this Hummer bundle, but it is quite frankly ridiculous. I mean this this number of games at this quality for £7 is absurd. So, Grim Fandango, uh, two thumbs up from this gameware. Absolutely. Four thumbs, because we've, we've got of two. Of course, we've, we've both got two thumbs. Four yeah. thumbs. So, thank you very much for listening. Uh, I hope you've enjoyed us talking about Grim Fandango and enjoyed our return to normality. If you've enjoyed what we've done, please remember you can join us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram. And we'll be back with you again next week. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye.